Good evening, everybody. It is Monday, July 29th, 2013, and it's time for 10 dozen minutes of Jick and Mr. Skullhead with Jick and Mr. Skullhead. I am Mr. Skullhead, and Jick is coming to us from an undisclosed location. An undisclosed, an undisclosed, an undisclosed location using, uh, using ancient technology, technology from, from the 1800s, I think. Uh, this is the first show that we're doing courtesy of the landline, which we've gotten at this apartment, which will hopefully be more reliable than Skype, which is why we could not do a show last week. Um, you know. Oh yeah, I should have. I should have started the show by saying, "Jake, come here. I want you." That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, that, that's basically what your eyes are saying every moment that you're awake. Hey, that's another thing I can't do over the phone here. I, I can't look directly into your eyes. That's true. They're nice eyes. Which I couldn't. Not that we were doing that anyway, but now we, we actually can't. So I'm, I'm thinking that I might try to salvage the little bit of conversation that we had, the, the shooting the shit parts, if you if you have the recording. Um, I don't think that I do. Oh, well, fine. I could just play my end and it would be real weird and confusing. <laughs> well, so we had like, we had three minutes of confusing stuff that started, started and stopped. Yeah pretty good i think some of it was about my mom uh some of it was about neighbors stomping around upstairs that's pretty cool some of it was about i think you were starting to talk about couch to 2k marin uh couch to 5k yeah no 2k uh, it's couch to y2k so do they really it like, starts out it seems like you yeah, need a lifetime to get from the distance that your couch is long to five thousand miles hmm. i mean i appreciate you just need a you need a lot of couches uh, how's that going? Is, are, are you continuing to are you continuing to engage in couch to two k five k couch to five k? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's couch to y two k. It's for people who who weren't worried enough about the millennium bug. Okay. So you start out by freaking out for a minute, and then you rest for two minutes, and then you freak out a little more. So like it'll have you like go to the supermarket and stock up on a whole bunch of food, but then only buy half of it. Okay. So the, I so mean, the Y2K like bug, a lot of people don't know this, but it, there was a really serious Y2K bug, but it only affected really high-end electronic couches. And so only the kind of people who would spend like $15,000 on a fancy electronic couch were affected by it. So nobody cared. Are those like those Japanese couches where it like sprays warm water to wipe your butt after you poop in them? Mm -hmm. And also you can poop in them? Yeah. Yeah. Those, sounds... those couches are cool. I, like... I've never really found one that matches anything other than a white decor, but uh, mm. you know that hasn't that hasn't been that big of a deal. I often wonder, you know, if you had a recliner that had the uh, toilet built in, uh, all uh, what's that movie, the Mike Judge movie, uh, Idiocracy style? Would it be awkward if you're just sitting there with a bunch of people? If you just let your waist fall? I think it would, because I feel like you'd normally, like, you'd still have to pull down your pants, right? Oh, uh, that's true. I mean, I guess that you're, I, the I forget kind of party that you're going to have, you're probably already going to have your pants off when you're sitting on your Yeah, recliner. I forgot that we come from different corners of the world. Yeah. Uh, you would never know to, uh, like, the parties that I go to here in Minneapolisburg are entirely of the tame variety. So, uh, it's only it's only at the con where people that you have drawn together by virtue of your vision <laughs> gather to do shit that you find kind of repulsive yeah it's fine i don't find it it's repulsive well i guess i do 
I can't, yeah, no, come on. Yeah, Don't I, cannot, I, cannot, I cannot deny that, that uh, the, the emotion that I experience in those situations is something akin, if not identical, to revulsion. Um, right. Yeah. So you don't find it repulsive, you find it revolting. Yeah, that's, I guess those are slightly different things. But they're both, yeah, they both involve me wanting to leave. Right. Although at or, this point, you know, lately it's just me not wanting to show up in the first place is, is how I tend to right. embody that. It makes you want to sit and argue politics with MC Frontalot for four hours. Yeah, it's awesome. I always have a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, this uh, this house that we're renting this time has a strict no smoking policy. They don't even want to see like any evidence of people having smoked outside. So that kind of kills it being the party house. They don't have a f- uh, any kind of uh, rules regarding huge fireballs okay good so as long as it doesn't produce an a traceable amount of smoke i think we should be fine yeah uh, they also don't they don't have any like dangerous to drunks fire features do you but anyway uh so couch to 5k yeah is a i'm still doing it uh this is my th- i just finished the third week so i don't know i'm on my way it's a nine week thing you know, like, I don't, I didn't like running before I, I went into this, and I'm not sure I like it anymore now, but it's getting easier, and, like, it feels good to have done it. Yeah. And so, that's fine. And, you know, like, I fucking weigh 275 pounds right now, and that's really horrible. That's kind of a lot. Yeah, but it, it's more than I've ever weighed. So, when I think about, like how fat I thought I was in the past. I'm, I'm at least 10, 15 pounds over that. Yeah, I mean, you thought you were fat when you were a baby, and you weighed like yeah. one-tenth of what you weigh now. You were, tw- you were Wait, 27 did- pounds when you were born, right? That, that's, I seem to remember the announcement from your mom. Yeah, that was weird. You're like, why, why are you sending one of these to a one-year-old in Illinois? a different baby, yeah. It's like, I, no, believe me, somebody And you were like, cares, God so. damn, that baby is fat. <laughs> yeah. And then I got in trouble because babies aren't supposed to swear. Right. Or speak, really. Yeah, yeah. Unless they're spoken to. Fair enough. Un- unless they're spoken about. It would be hard to be mad at a baby who all he could do was swear. Because, I mean, you, you want to, you know, he's a, he's a kid that only has a hammer, right? So, of course, everything looks like a nail. You can't blame him for that. Yeah, we don't blame him for screaming all the time. Yeah. Unless he's screaming profanities. Right. Well, that's a behavior that we wouldn't tolerate in adults. You know, like just crapping in your underwear is a behavior we don't tolerate in adults, but we'll let it go in a baby. So I mean, in the privacy of their own home, I don't care what they want to crap in, you know, a bed, right. a recliner. You know, when you were talking about building uh, poop, poop shoots into chairs. Uh, so I've never really understood the, the notion of referring to someone's butt as a poop shoot. I get it, but I feel like so many things act as actual poop shoots that it seems like it wouldn't immediately oh, you mean like the plumbing in, in your reference. house yeah like you know like I, I can see your poop sluice that's not a thing that um, poop sluice that's fantastic yeah, it's for your turd like turd pipe it's like you think a turd pipe that's a feature of your house not a feature of your backside right what about a turd pike Okay. Where you have to pay a toll if you want to continue pooping. Ah, uh, man, you have to you have to pay a toll depending on what you ate yesterday. <laughs> I uh, so is 
is the notion of a bed that you don't have to get out of to pee. Is that just inherently so gross that no one would ever dedicate any engineering expertise to making it happen? Uh, that's what I call a bed. Okay. I mean, there's a reason that you have like a mattress pad and sheets on there. Okay. And, th- and that your sheets are made of rubber. Yeah, well, the the one on the bottom is, sure. Okay. Because you don't want your mattress to get pee in it. I mean, no, we're not animals here. That's true. It's true. I mean, I think... By the time you're thinking about putting plumbing in a bed, I think you're leaning more towards solutions that involve peeing in a pan that you stick into the bed or sticking a pipe down your dick. <laughs> right. So that you, a, a dick pipe, I believe, is what they call it. Sure, yeah. So you'd think that that would be a, a pipe that you put in your dick, but really most people just use that to refer to their urethra. I almost, Mm. I I was composing a tweet while I was peeing, and then I decided not to actually post the tweet because I thought it would would be too gross. But uh, it was going to say, do you ever have that thing happen where you go to pee, and instead of one stream of urine coming out of your dick, one comes out of each eye? (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought that was pretty, that was a pretty good turn, you know? Yeah, it's a good setup, and it's a good, like, heel face turn. But see, I didn't want to, I didn't want to put dick in the joke. To, to post publicly and then I couldn't think of it I did, like penis seems too clinical and hmm. wiener seems too juvenile like I I would not say look at my wiener wiener there's <laughs> pee coming out of my eyes and I can't see it myself I need you to tell me what it looks like um, I mean I like dickhole as a word probably more than I should yeah it's, it's a great insult like it's one step above asshole for some reason even though I would rather you know, encounter pee than poop in the wild, kind of. Wait, you would but, rather yeah. encounter pee than poop in the wild? Or you would rather it encounter won't. pee in the wild than poop in the wild? I would rather, if I were to encounter some human waste, just like, you know, say on the street in San Francisco, mm-hmm. I would rather it be a little puddle than a little turd. Yeah. It, you know, they've they've each got... They're like different character classes of, of the same sort of being, though, right? Because poop very quickly stops smelling really terrible in a way that pee doesn't although the pee the constant pee smell might just be from repetition of application yeah right i like i've seen poop on the ground but never smelled poop out in the city but the pee smell is is nigh ubiquitous yeah, but I feel like you get like you get some pee on your hands or something you just go wash your hands you get some you poop on your hands and you go get tested yeah you decide you got to go get some robot hands from from the droid surgeon at echo base um yeah i was we were walking the other day somewhere and this guy just was like having a conversation with his buddy at the bus stop and then just like hold on a second and he just walked about three feet to just piss on the side of a building just broad daylight middle of a crowded sidewalk and there was a part of me that was like why did you why did you walk three feet like what is the difference between the spot where you decided to piss right there and the spot where you were standing when you decided you had to piss so is it was this like this wasn't like two hobos talking to each other it's hard to tell right it i mean uh. it it looked like two just sort of uh, 
there's there's got to be a non-racist way to put this but it was basically like so imagine the kind of guy that just had like maybe his 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 pants starting at his knees and the tag still on his hat and you know like a like a big sweater with some brand name on it and yeah, like when you said there's probably a non-racist way to say this, my response was going to be, but we are not the right people to find it. Apparently. I mean, I, so, I, yeah. like, it, it just, you know, it's a type of person that you see, and they're just never white, you know, like, so I don't, I don't know. But that was the impression that I got. I was like, you know, those guys just kind of look like, you know, just guys that are, guys that are dressed in that, like, somewhat thug style. Right, and it's like, and they're kind of right. dirty, but like, that's a thing that happens with people who aren't necessarily hobos, right? right. I mean, I could see like being so drunk that you're just like, I gotta piss, I'm gonna go piss. But they, the guy wasn't staggering. I mean, I would say, but it was, you know, it was two p.m. I mean, that's not gonna stop a, it's not gonna stop a dedicated drinker, I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like you gotta have at least some kind of drink involved at that point some kind of drink or some drugs or something going on but maybe that's just because i can't imagine doing that so yeah i mean it's hard to you know it's like arguing with a crazy person like if reason was going to work on them they wouldn't be crazy so why you can't right no and if i was that homeless guy i would just you know i would build a makeshift shelter that was way better than that one it's like well okay but you would not be that homeless guy Right. right, somebody who thought about it that way wouldn't end up there. It's weird. There's a lot of uh, it's it's like this real melting pot here. You hear you hear a lot of different languages throughout the day, which is great. I I'm super excited to just like walk down the street and hear dudes speaking German and a lot of Spanish and a lot of Arabic and a lot of you know Chinese, and that's cool. But then there's also just a lot of like. You know, okay, is that guy a hobo or like a tech billionaire who just dresses like a slob? Huh. You know, and then you see like, well, if they walk into the like, and then a lot of it is like, if they pull out an iPhone, then they're probably not a hobo. Or maybe they are. Yeah, this is Obama's America. Yeah, that's true. An iPhone in every pot. Yeah. And some pot in every chicken. Lycra, Lycra made the joke. They saw a bunch of hobos with laptops, and Lycra made the joke, I'm working from homeless today. <laughs> Which is pretty good. <laughs> Maybe, perhaps obvious, but very funny. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, it's obvious, but I didn't think of it, so. Anyway, my uh, my mom came to visit, and that was pretty fun. We did, we did some touristy kind of stuff. We went to Fisherman's Wharf. Went to the Giardelli Chocolate Factory Square. Have you been to that? Yeah, we went through it uh, last time we were in town. It was. I went there on a day when I was uh, I was disallowed by the precepts of my religion to consume any chocolate. Hmm. But I had a cup of coffee. They uh, you order a large coffee there, they give you a large fucking coffee. Uh, yeah, they don't mess around at all. I'm surprised that they were they would give you a coffee without any form of sugar in it, though. Yeah, I don't know. I just ordered one, and that's what they gave me, and it worked out okay. Then I sat there and I watched my mom and my girlfriend eat some delicious ice cream sundaes. And I, I mean, it's like I'm the. It was my idea to go there, so it wasn't like I was like being tortured, you know. Um, I would like to go back at some point. Like, it looked like their stuff was pretty tasty. Yeah, it's never as. 
It's never as good as I remember it. Probably. Is it we've been there a couple of times and it's always like I remember there being this super cool assembly line to look at. Which is like it's pretty cool, but it's not as cool as I remember it. And then having some kind of drink that I can only drink half of before I have to stop because it's too sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would go more for like a <laughs> banana split or something, you know. But uh and I I tend to get everything dark chocolate these days anyway, but yeah, it's still too much sugar. I didn't know that there was such a thing as too much sugar. I've just discovered that. Yeah. I keep in the last uh, couple of years. I keep eating a donut and then thinking I should have had half of a donut. Hmm. That's what I keep thinking. But then the next time I cut the donut in half and then I just eat both halves. So I'm like, oh, that didn't work. Fuck. <laughs> um, we went to the Musée Mécanique again for a little while and that was, that was, eh, it's okay. I got the high score on Robotron. Which? I would like to see that. Yeah, it's not... I haven't been there yet. I wouldn't make a day of it if, you, if you're doing something... Like, we went to the aquarium, which was small, but about as much aquarium as I needed. Fisherman's Wharf is weird, because it's... It, it, like... It is a tourist attraction in the, like, sort of just crassest way. You know, yeah. it's, like, just a bunch of, of, a bunch of chain restaurants, like, pl- playing up their originality and uniqueness... In a way that's like, mm. oh god, this probably works on like a lot of people, and it just—I don't know—it's, eh. and I guess I shouldn't be like, you know, a lot of people go there and they're like, oh yeah, we went to Fisherman's Wharf and it was great, and we bought a fucking magnet that had the Golden Gate Bridge on it, and then we ate at the Bubblegum Shrimp Company. That's a San Francisco original, and whatever, they haven't lost anything, I guess. I feel like the first time I went there, it wasn't like that. Uh, that would have been like early nineties. Maybe it hadn't been gentrified yet. I remember we went to the uh, the Ripley's Believe It or Not that's there, and that was fun. Yeah, you know those are those are okay. They are they are every bit at just a tourist trap kind of thing, but at least they're like they're a tourist trap with an interesting theme, right? That theme is not just like <laughs> get drunk or eat a bunch of pizza. You know, the theme is like, ah, oh, check out this weird thing on this guy's face. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there, I remember going there when I was maybe 10 or 11, when my family went on a, on a vacation that passed through there. And we went to, like, some sort of temporary hologram exhibit that was set up in one of the pier buildings. And it's oh, like... Oh, God, I remember that, yeah. That's tourist trappy, but, you know, it was like, nah, it's holograms. Holograms are cool. You, so now you know that's that's my memory. That and like driving up Hate Street and just seeing, like, seeing super weird people for the first time in my life. Hmm. You know, just like having never really been exposed to like crazy people. And then we also, I mean, that was also the first time I ever went to L.A. And so we went to some of the sort of you know the area around like uh, Man's Chinese Theater. Is it? No, Grumman's. Yeah, I think it's Grumman's, whatever now, but it used to, it, the man's Chinese is how it's okay. How it became famous. So like that area, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on. You know, there were just like people dressed up like stuff and and whatever. But like San Francisco s- seems like where the real crazies were, you know. And that that was just it was like my first introduction to a lot of things. Like being on that trip, I think it was the first time I'd ever been to California. Um, 
I remember riding on the bus in San Francisco on that trip where I was maybe 11 or 12 and seeing like the the dudes with the mohawks and everything but then there was a crazy guy who got on and just kind of stood up in the middle of the bus and sang a version of the Christmas song you know chestnuts roasting on an open fire but with lyrics about kids getting burned to death in a nuclear holocaust huh and the driver was just kind of like kind of sighed you know waited for him to finish because you just kind of had to let him finish or he would go ballistic so huh we were i remember my mom kept going like this is an adventure isn't this so exciting to keep us from freaking out (laughs) because there were so many crazy people around us (laughs) Mm -hmm. it was an adventure yeah i mean that's what adventures are is just exposing yourself to random crazy people who are in turn exposing themselves to you it's the very best kind of adventure have you uh have you been doing anything interesting over the last couple of weeks have I? Have I? Have I? I don't know. Yeah, Matt, not you're so the much. one who would know that. Yeah, I suppose. I, I don't know. I can't really put together more than a week at a time. That's the, why it's so handy that we do these shows typically a week apart. Well, it's been two weeks, so who the fuck knows? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we went to, a, uh, went to a wedding this weekend. That was cool. The one of the last couple in our group of friends that that are going to happen before like the divorces start in a couple of years. Mm, okay. So that was fun. Drinks were drinks were drunk. Did you uh, did you uh, mention that to them during the wedding? Like uh, you guys are probably the last ones to get married until the next until the first round of divorces. No, but uh, the the very last one is this January. Our friends Dan and Bridget. So I'll make sure and get sloppy drunk and and in that way and be unable to not say that is bridget gonna cheat on dan with a midget probably <clears throat> it's gonna be some bridget on midget action mm-hmm. are you gonna be in the closet with a beretta beretta or just some we're we talking about r kelly now yeah well because the because of the because of the way in which bridget and a midget figure into r kelly's trapped in the closet mr skullhead oh i see i i didn't read the uh or I didn't read. I didn't watch all of the trapped in the closet videos. No. I didn't get to the midget. Mm. It was. Huh, I'm kind of. I mean, I'm it is. Surprised. It is like the American Beowulf is trapped in the closet. Yeah, yeah. In a lot of ways, it is. Like the people who wrote Beowulf had no idea how funny it was, and then right. in the second season of Beowulf, when uh, when they got self-aware, uh, it was way worse. I so yeah. trapped in the closet was interesting for precisely that reason. Like some of the people involved in the production of that video understood that it was funny, but R. Kelly was not one of them. Right, and so it was just it was just a sort of a fascinating work. And uh, then, man, you watch it with his uh, director's commentary and. Fucking nuts! That guy is dumb as shit, and it is weird. Like, I ugh, man, I don't really know anything about him biographically, except that it seems like he just has always had a lot of money and creative freedom, and never really sort of became a an adult. Right. And ugh, man, 
I know he wrote Trapped in the Closet and I Believe I Can Fly and then he peed on a 15-year-old. Or, you know, acquitted. Yeah. But, uh, but that's about all. But it's like my, my impression of that whole peeing thing is less like knowing deviance than like just arrested development. You know? Like, but I don't... So he's like, what would... Jason Bateman would totally do this right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wish there was something. I wish the first thing that I had said had had some other cultural referent. See, we need to workshop this. Oh, yeah. We should do like a rough workup on Friday, and then we can both give each other notes on Saturday and rehearse again. Yeah. No. That's, it's the spontane, spontaneity that makes it work. Yeah, the spontaneity. It's the, not knowing how to pronounce everyday average words that makes it work. I don't know that spontaneity is an everyday word. I mean, it should be an it's, everyday word. It is behavior. for me. Like, I don't have it like, I don't have that word like f- hanging up in the closet for fancy dress, you know, and it's folded up in the drawer with the t shirts. Okay. Spontaneity. But, you know, I'm kind of a, kind of a pedantic douche, so. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, I remember getting made fun of in high school for using the word general. That was too big of a word. Yeah, three whole syllables. Yeah. I was saying like genre and oeuvre and feeling like a dickhead, but saying it anyway. Mm-hmm. Because to me, if there's a word that is the best word to describe something that I'm talking about, like the most accurate one, then I have to use it. Yeah. I can't say... So, if like if somebody's being gregarious... That's what they're being. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't come up with a different term for it because that dude is gregarious as fuck. Yeah, I mean that that is one in particular that like you very often run into dudes that that is just the best way to describe them. Right. Um, I I can't say oeuvre with a straight face, though. Mm-hmm. Like, opus works just as well with that. Is it, though? I thought Opus was a single work and Uvra was a body of work. Oh, see, I thought Opus was a part of was a body of work. I thought one's Opus was, like, their their sort of career-defining individual work. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, then we're back with Uvra. So then Milieu, Milieu is, like, a collective Uvra? <laughs> is that... I thought Milieu was more like a... Like, the... Sp- Spirit of the times in which the work was made. It's like the zeitgeist. Let's let's look up milieu. Oh yeah, the physical or social setting in which something occurs or develops. Huh. Yeah. So I guess I always I must have just always misinterpreted the use of that because I had thought that like say using the 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 milieu that that Hemingway and the other sort of like American expatriates in Paris shared. Rather than rather than me thinking that referred to the environment, I might have thought that it referred to the sort of like collective body of work that was mm. produced by that environment. But who knows, man? Yeah, it's it's especially with French words. I just can't. It, and okay, so part of it is because I don't want to pronounce things incorrectly, <laughs> but I know that pronouncing French loan words makes you sound like an asshole. Right. You know, it's like fucking ludum dare. Like, I cannot say ludum dare because I know that's not how it's pronounced, but I feel like such an asshole saying ludum dare that I just basically never talk about it because of that. 
And you don't talk about, uh, like, hors d'oeuvre. Hors d'oeuvre. Yeah, I guess saying hors d'oeuvres, that one does that doesn't trigger it. Maybe there are, there are common enough French loan words. I mean, déjà vu, just whatever, right? Also, déjà vu is not j'accuse. Not <laughs> it's not so different than the way a France man would pronounce it. You've got like, uh, what was I thinking of? Like joie de vivre. Je ne- yeah, like you would say voila. You wouldn't say voila. Yeah. I think I would say voila, but voila. Walla. Yeah, like I have sympathy for the person who's like W A dash L A, right? Because that's <laughs> what I thought it was. I mean, I I like I knew V O I L A and I knew voila, but I did not know that they were the same thing. Yeah, but it's so easy to feel superior to people who don't know things that you do know. It is. It is, and it's and it's productive and and healthy too. I mean, it's more like if, like somebody that is say twenty-five, and doesn't know these things because they have never read a book all the way through. That's just kind of sad, and that's happening more and more frequently. Like the reason why you don't know how to spell stuff, even you know after you're all done with school, is because you don't read. Well, I mean, I know guys who are very well read and don't know how to spell. Which strikes me as a very strange thing. Like, well, I'm not talking about like misspelling things because you have like a some kind of mental block or something about spelling. I mean, the like not knowing the difference between a couple of things or confusing idioms because you've never seen them in print. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, you know, one that got me for a really long time was all I always thought it was all of the sudden and not all of a sudden so I mean I was like I feel like I was in junior high before that was because it's an idiom that you could read a lot and not encounter right just happenstance Mm -hmm. but who knows maybe I'm just an idiot for all intensive purposes yeah that's a, I mean, that is a weird one, because that's not... I feel like that's a thing that you're a lot more likely to hear spoken than find in any random corpus of text, but... Any uh, any opus in an oeuvre? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Opus is like a port, and an oeuvre is like a storm. But I think right. any word that I can't pronounce without slipping into, like... Without immediately wanting instinctively to follow it up with ha-ha-ha is, is one that I probably just shouldn't use. And I don't like it when the situation calls for one of those words or phrases. Yeah, it, I hate it when I feel like saying it has that, like, you know, je ne sais quoi. Because that is the most pretentious thing in the world, but then again, that is what that thing is called. Yeah. You could just sit there and, like, it has a thing, I don't know what it is. So I would argue that the phrase, it has that certain something, is a fairly good English idiomatic analog, but yeah, but it lacks a certain je ne sais quoi. It does. It does. <laughs> it. Uh, I don't know. You just seem both literally and figuratively. You seem to have more joie de vivre when you're when you're using je ne sais quoi. Mm. I certainly have more esprit de corps. Mm-hmm. What is esprit de corps? Is you, like the uh, what? That like spirit of being in an, the heart. an organization. It's. I thought that uh, 
Well, Corva is a uh, body. Like, analog to corpse. Oh, yeah? But alive. Okay, but it's... A, so, Esprit de Corps defined the common spirit existing in members of a group inspiring enthusiasm. Mm. So, it's like a body of, of like, a, the Marine Corps. Yeah. Like, okay. the body of... The body of... Not your body, necessarily, but body meaning the body politic or a governing body or a sports yeah or jesse the body yeah, venture so jesse the body venture is football team um then there's shit that i just use without really knowing what it means because i think esprit de corps is definitely a an example of that so i definitely thought of esprit de corps like that that uh that uh fuck what is the what is the marine semper fidelis that like Semper Fidelis yeah. was a phrase that was emblematic of Esprit de Corps. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Words, kids, aren't they crazy? It, it took me a long time to learn in life that nobody else is as interested in etymology as I am. Well, that's not true. Like, I would argue that I, I am. I mean, you probably would be, but yeah, to say like, did you know that tract as a root means to pull? And, you know, like a contract is pulling together and a tractor is a thing that pulls. And a tract of land is how far, you know, a cow could pull a plow. I had a weird thing happen at the rock gym here a couple of years ago where I, somebody had, so the, the, the hardest move on a route is referred to as the crux of the route. And the rating will often be based on the, the difficulty of that particular crux move. And somebody mentioned, mm. somebody said something about a crux. And I was like, oh, man, you know what I, what I learned the other day from looking something up is that the word crucial means relating to a crux. Like, relating oh, huh. to something. I and suppose I was like, it would. Oh, that's really interesting. And then, and then somebody, some just random person who was standing near me turned around and was like, huh, that's really clever. Like, Oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> somebody else was somebody else is like me in the world and thought that was cool to learn that. I just I don't know. I like I like I like discovering things like that because you learn, you know, you learn words in such a rote way because you can't understand the fundamental systems behind it because they are so just batshit and random a lot of the times. You yeah. Know? And so sometimes like discovering two things that make sense in a way that you can suddenly really wrap your head around is it's like super satisfying. Yeah, you like learning it's taking pains and not staking pain. Yeah, exactly. For painstaking. Yeah. That was a, that was a neat one. And even certain things like Co- cooperate. Yeah, cooperate. That was a, that was another one that took me a long time to like, oh, operating together oh uh, um and i think part of it that was that just encountering the word co-op by itself all the time was just sort of an abbreviation that what when i grew up co-op did not mean like a hippie grocery commune it meant right. co-op was a word that was used to describe some sort of thing where high school kids had jobs Hmm. and that they would I don't know if it was like they worked one day a week or they worked like a couple hours a day somewhere as just a part of their co-op and I didn't I wasn't 
in that town when I went to high school, so I never encountered that program. It was just like a thing that my mom would talk about or just describe somebody as, you know, <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, that, that girl seems too young to work here. She must be a co-op. Like, okay, I don't know what that is. Now, if you have somebody who has a chicken coop as part of their co-op, it just gets confusing. Yeah, it really does. Unless you start hyphenating it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Which maybe you do. I don't know. I've never seen it written down. Hmm. We have a Cooper at our co-op. That's true. My, uh, yeah. I, I did not identify until, I think, I think this might have been even after she died, that whenever my grandmother used the word journally, that she was saying generally. And huh. I just thought it was just a weird word that she used to mean typically. But it was just a weird Journaling. pronunciation of a regular word, huh. and that was that was and and I, you know it always did strike me as kind of strange. Is it, like my grandma was so smart that it was weird how sort of heavy her kind of hillbilly accent was. Yeah, my grandma's got that going on too, and and so it was it was always it was always weird, you know just wash like. I just, the, just pronouncing wash as wash is just like, ugh. but eh, grandma did. Did she say water instead of water? No. That's a, I've only encountered that once. And it was a, a lady that I was going to rent an apartment from in Phoenix. And part of the reason I didn't end up following up on it was it was so awkward. She said, and you have your, you know, you got your water. That, I, I said, I'm sorry. What? I heard that you know, you, you like got a Philly thing and not a not a Southern thing. It's like a yeah. You got your hot and cold water, and it took so long for me to figure it out that I was too embarrassed to talk to her again. <laughs> Good. It's like who is this idiot who doesn't understand that this apartment has water in it? I, I mean, water. Ah <laughs> uh, man. Um, well, do you have anything else that you want to talk about in the non-Kingdom of Loathing question segment of the show, or should we get to the long-ass two weeks worth of thread? Uh, we can roll over to the two weeks worth of thread. Zumbini says, is the Ryman hypothesis true? I never should have said, ask anything, because I knew that a bunch of people would ask things like that. Um, it just makes me think of Clueless. Like, does she have a head injury? Ask her a question. All right, who's the president? Something she knows. So yeah, ask us stuff that we stuff that we Deus know. Ex Machina says uh, he's trying to ask a thing that is not a question, and he says, uh, "I ask you Worcestershire sauce." But the answer to that is yes. That is a question, and the answer is yes, please. I would love some. Right. I would not like to try and pronounce it, but I'll it's take some. Worcestershire. Florin says, "You guys are both sure musically inclined. Will there ever be a band of loathing?" What kind of music would you play? Would you call yourself something better than Band of Loathing? Who would break up the band? The, definitely David Yoko Jose would break up the band. Oh, I was thinking that as soon as we had booked a gig, you would break up the band out of uh, fear of looking ridiculous. Yeah, that's probably true. We did, uh, you know, Jake and I recorded a single together back in, in, in like 1993. Yeah. Uh, I play, played that on Radio KOL a couple of times because it's fun to have people go... What the fuck is this? Yep. And then have somebody go, it's Chicken Scully, asshole. Like, oh, this oh, is Oh, yeah, this is great. really good. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I meant, what the fuck is this? Because it's great. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I... I still think it's great. I think that recording has merit. Yeah, it, no, I mean, I, like... I feel the same way about my musical ability, musical ability that I feel about a lot of things, which is that I am probably innately better than average, but average is awful, and... I don't I am not a better musician than anyone who is a musician like I'm a better musician than everyone who's not a musician but I'm a worse musician than everyone who is a musician so yeah I kind of think of myself that same way as far as like playing instruments goes like you know I can play chords on a piano and I can play chords on a guitar and if I really sit and learn a song for a couple weeks I can play it on the piano that's that's basically where I am but the people it it always seems like anybody else who goes oh i can play piano just sits down and plays shit by ear yeah they're like oh you seem to be having fun doing yeah, this yeah and like the ability to just sight read something complicated is so beyond me yeah and i don't and i don't think it is a failure of my ability to well, i mean i guess it is i guess that is just it, that cannot be anything other than a failure of my of an ability to read music quickly uh, hmm. But I, that's just one of those things where I feel like I could study for 10 years and never, never be able to do it. But I think you would. I think I would, too. It's just the development of that muscle memory and playing like the scales and the arpeggios and the chords all the way up. And so when you see those like 20 notes, you go, oh, my fingers go here. And so I can hit all of these notes because I already have memorized where they are. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I don't like the th- the problem that i have with reading music is always it is not the just direct mapping music notation is kind of bullshit like it is a really bad way of expressing like say which keys you're supposed to hit on a piano like yeah given that the piano doesn't have any indicator of where the line and the the bottom line of the staff is. Right. But also, like, a chromatic scale has, what, like, 13 notes? So yeah. let's let's use a staff with nine, like, places where a note can go, and then way off to the left we'll footnote whether it's that note or a different note. You know? Like, mm-hmm. it, it always seemed like the fact that to know whether... It, it's like... You have to be, in order to read music effectively, you have to be the kind of person that knows what key the song is in, which I guess you do by reading the first part of the music, but then to know what that means. Yeah, because it's consistent. It is. Like, if you see something that's got an A flat, a B flat, and an E flat at the at the very beginning then you know that that's the key that it's in and that it's going to be that way the whole way through. Yeah. So it, it it can be done. But it's true, like, it's a pretty lousy way of writing notes down for the piano, especially because there are 88 notes on a piano. But then at the same time, like, if you're trying to make something that at least it gets the job done for everything from a piano to a like piccolo yeah. then you know it's like a, it's a decent pigeon language for all of those all of those instruments you know, to speak you know i totally could sight read stuff on the saxophone so i i guess i guess maybe i was fast enough to do it for one note at a time 
Yeah, you can't play multiple notes on a sax, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, no, no, that was always weird, and that that, that was apparently like a thing that people w- people were freaked out when I was in like the first time we would play something in band, and I would just play it, and everybody else was like, "What the fuck?" And eventually, everybody gives up, and it's just me playing my part, like Lisa Simpson. Yeah. Um, man, that was a long time ago. I feel it, it seems so weird to me, like the idea of playing in a marching band in front of people seems so terrifying to me now, but I just didn't give a fuck then. I don't know, I don't huh. know what the deal was. And I mean, it certainly wasn't like I certainly knew what shame was, right? And I, you know, I had a lower estimation of my position in the world then than I do now, but I, I don't know, mm. performing. I, it is not inconceivable that I will make some songs before I die, right? I mean, it happens every once in a while when the when the spirit enters me. If we lived in the same town, yeah, the you thing would is enter like, me more often and we could we could make even more beautiful music together. I mean, you're the songs that you just kind of toss off as a as a joke tend to be pretty solid. Like musically and everything. Like don't fall on a cactus is really fun to listen to, and so is in Mexico. You know, for their like, kind of being off the cuff and silly, they actually have some structure to them. Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of it is like if, if I were to write a song on the guitar that was just like, you know, G, C, and D, I know how easy that is to play, so I don't think that it's any good. But there's a lot of good songs. Uh-huh. There's a lot of good songs that are very easy to play. And it's just like and that's that's always the thing. It's like whenever I whenever I'm whenever it's like, oh play the guitar for me, I'm like, ah, I'm gonna try to play something that's technically complicated because I want to do something that is impresses me that I can do it. Right. But that's not what anybody else cares about. Like that's It reminds me of like Amplitude when we would do our little KOL sing alongs where somebody would suggest a song and he would say oh I don't know how that goes and he would go well the guitar part's kind of like this and he'd be trying to play the you know all the fills and riffs and things and I would just go look up the chords on the internet and bang on them so that everyone could sing and uh, you know that's all they wanted to do they just wanted to to shout that they were going down but they were going down swinging Mm -hmm. I actually started uh, having spent the last couple of months spending maybe three or four hours a week playing guitar I started putting videos up on YouTube just to like here's something I'm doing in my living room and if you're interested in that then here hmm. it is and it seems to be people seem to be enjoying you didn't it didn't tell me about that no because I knew you would be embarrassed on my well, behalf uh, that's okay I can deal with it I'll just get drunk before I watch them yeah I wouldn't watch them yeah. I like I recommended to Matt that he not watch them because he's I can't imagine him enjoying them. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I mean, maybe I can imagine you enjoying them, but yeah, I'm not sure. So, you know, at your own risk. All right. It's not going to hurt my feelings if you're like, no. Nah. How, how do we find it if we want to find it, Mr. Skullhead? Uh, you know, YouTube doesn't give you any help with... Um, you can't get a special URL from them all you get is your crazy long name thing isn't there something so, you can put in with just your username though like 
you'd think. Like, I have a bunch of stuff that I've... Every video that I've put up, I've tagged Scully Sings, but searching for that doesn't really help. Hmm. Uh, if you search for Skull Space Head and filter it by user, I think that'll do it. Hmm. What about Skull Face Had, which is what I typed? Just muscle memory. Filters. Huh. This or you can go to uh, facebook.com slash kingdom of loathing because I linked to the last one that I watched oh, or that I, that I put up and said don't anybody tell Jick that I'm putting this here but you know that was tongue in cheek because yep. uh, Clackling totally told me oh that little yep. bitch he is a little bitch that little dick tits uh, Batman <laughs> August 5th 1980 says cake or pie pie man pie Jesus Christ pie yeah, I think nine times out of ten it's going to be pie. Although, if it's my birthday, I'm going to want to have some cake. Yeah. I have not tended to have any cake on my last few birthdays. Mm. You know, I'll just go somewhere and, like, you know, like, maybe if they have it. I guess a tiramisu is technically, like, cake. That's like a layer cake. Yeah, sure. I like a tiramisu. But I like that it's bitter, you know? Black like my, black <laughs> like my lungs and bitter like my heart. Um, but yeah. It is my heart, and I like it because it is bitter. <laughs> it is my heart, and I like it because it is soaked in espresso. Um, hmm. Hinch says, cake farts or death? Oh, I mean, you know what I like best is cake farts. Uh, also, will you... Yeah, I like to you destroy the, your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the cake farts of the <laughs> women. I don't think that would have been the same just uh, hearing it, though. Also, will you make me a KOL thing yeah. that makes you more likely to get attacked in PvP? I feel like that is an idea that we had. We did something that made you less likely. So yeah, there's got to be a way to do that. It's a good idea. Also, I want a pony. That's that's cool. You can have it. You can have a pony. Uh, Blister guy says, when talking about designing new content with the rest of the crew, do you use terms like Skinner box at all? If if we do, it is only in a kind of a derisive way and a way to try to avoid. Mm, like shortcuts to things being satisfying to play. Yeah, I think we would be more likely to say, let's make sure this isn't just a Skinner box. Yeah. Uh, anyway, most of the time when we're discussing designing stuff, it's more, this is the kind of thing that we want to do. Now, how do we make it compelling? How do we make it worth the while of people who... Are, who need to be sold yeah, on Yeah, like, it. how do we make this fun for the broadest cross-section of people? Like, you know, I mean, we, we tend to go out of our way at almost every opportunity to, to dick with randomness to make it more fun, which is mm-hmm. not, it's not a Skinner box kind of thing. Yeah, as somebody who has been roped into playing a whole bunch of Candyland in the last couple of weeks, uh, definitely only randomness is not fun. Yeah. Wax says, how do you feel about people who misuse the word literally? You know, that... They literally make me want to shit out of my dick. <laughs> that is a thing that I just cannot summon up any upset about. It's annoying because it's not... It's not an intensifier, and yet that's what it's becoming. So that it's not like I go, well, your head didn't just fall off and land on your lap, or you know, no excrement is coming out of your dick hole. So clearly, 
but it, it is it is get a little bit grating. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I encounter that way less often than I encounter deliberate misuse of it for comic effect. Nah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, now the Jackass Plumber is almost 100% not going to be a thing. What were you planning for it to be? I get the Mario reference, but what part of the design failed? It was just trying to make a sort of a turn-based Donkey Kong. Yeah, like, my idea was, like, my entire design document was, this should be Donkey Kong as a tower defense game where you are Donkey Kong and you're throwing flaming barrels at a bunch of Marios who are coming at you in waves. And it should be turn-based, and somebody should make it a game. Which is not really enough to go on, right? And it, and it turned out that that's just not an easy thing to turn into a game, and we couldn't even get to... I couldn't even, like, mock it up in... Well, you did, I thought. Like, I a, thought you, on pen and paper, you, you know? Made, you made a paper version of it that was that was an acceptable amount of fun, but it relied too much on knowing like you knew where stuff was going to go so the game state didn't have to like tell you where it was going to go yeah it was more like okay it's this barrel's turn and i know the rules for this barrel moving so i'm going to move it and i i can watch it move right whereas yeah, it, it, whereas it, if it was actually expressed only as the begin state and the end state you wouldn't necessarily know like which of these barrels were the same barrels from the previous turn because the the granularity yeah. of the board was pretty coarse, so you know it's just and I mean, also we just we spent so much time on that item of the month that that I mean that was like that was like an entire month of work to make the parts of it that did get made, and so it was like yeah. ah they're just we just can't do this like it's it's just it's too late. I mean, we probably would have been wise to just not put that in there, and then nobody would be complaining that it wasn't yeah. there. I think it's I think it's all right now. Now that it's now that it's got its thing that it does, that's that's what it's for. Uh, Jake, you haven't read Pratchett, yeah. and therefore have no taste. Scully, what books have you been reading? I just finished one called Ready Player One, which had a whole lot of gamer references and was a decent read, but not amazing. A few Deus Ex Machinas. Is any of the writing in the Clan Dungeon, which probably came out a couple days ago when you read this, yours? I feel like most of the writing in the Clan Dungeon is yours. The well, like the. Half of the monsters, top to bottom, are mine. Uh, I think you did, though, almost all the item descriptions and the non-combats. Uh, yeah, I did. I did. I wrote all the non-combats, I wrote all the items, I wrote all of the effects, and all the skills. Yeah, so really I was in for monsters and, like, names of monsters, lots of uh, things that get served up randomly to you guys. Right. I but, wrote the uh, bosses, too. I feel like you did the bulk of it, yeah. Well, I didn't. I don't think. I didn't uh, let's the right, like word for word. You guys probably did. Each of you did three times as much as I did, just with all the encounter texts and stuff. That's because you're shorter with your words. Yeah, sure. Like somebody was remarking on the descriptions for uh, all the Dreadsylvanian items and said, "I know, I love Jick on a roll," because you'll do like five words and they'll be really funny. Where I would take twenty. I like it. I like your economy of writing. Uh, as far as books that I have read recently, I just caught up on my Pratchett. So I read Long Earth, which was really interesting and cool. Uh, Dodger, which really wanted to be a Discworld book and wasn't, but was still pretty good. Um, I just finished This Book is Full of Spiders, Seriously Dude, Don't Touch It by David Wong, the sequel to John Dies at the End. 
And it was not as good as John Dies at the end, but it, you know, it was pretty fun to read. So that's what I've been I'm, reading. I'm in the middle of uh, a book that was written by uh, Daniel Handler, the guy who is Lemony Snicket and the accordion player from the Magnetic Fields. Um, I'm probably about halfway through it, but it's it's like just one of those things I got out of the habit of reading it, and so I just haven't read any of it in three weeks. Uh, but it is about... So far, it is about the lead up to a some sort of murders in a in a among a group of high school friends. It's a sort of a sort hmm. of a Heather's. It's good. It's. I feel like I've talked about it. I must not have talked about it to you, or you would have responded differently. Yeah, I don't think that you yeah. have. I, sh- I should finish it. Uh, I have. I really liked Ready Player One. I read that when it came out, and uh, it was cool. The guy. Was, so the guy drives. The guy drives a DeLorean, which is rigged up to look like the the DeLorean, and has uh, has the license plate Ecto eighty eight, which I think is funny. <laughs> um, and uh, he was giving away copies of his book at Comic Con if you could beat him at Joust. Like he just had a. Was he really good I don't at think Joust? He was really good at. I mean, I think he was pretty good at Joust. Like like Wes. Uh, West, or maybe I don't remember if it was West or Red. I think maybe West won. Uh, I mean, if your goal is to give away books, you're probably going to let some people win, right? Right. Um, yeah, but I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, you just set up a joust cabin in a Comic Con booth, and uh, yeah, I don't know the book. I thought I just devoured it. I don't, you know, it was it was junk food, but I don't mind a Deus Ex Machina in my. I don't know if melodrama is the right word because I feel like that means a specific thing but I don't mind a deus ex machina in my pulp yeah yes so if something like something that came really highly celebrated and recommended and was supposed to be this cerebral like great American novel but had some of that shit in it would probably bother you maybe I mean and that's probably that's the kind of thing that I tend to not read you know I mean, it's the kind of thing that I, like, feel guilty for not reading, but, you know, I don't know. I feel like the classics have bitten me in the ass one too many days. Like, I cannot stand Dickens. Oh, I like And Dickens. so that sort of ruined me on everything that has... His books are just so deep. Uh-huh. You're deep really Dickens. into the deep Dickens. Yeah, that's... Um, yeah. yeah. Although, you know, I'll, I'll say that differently. I liked Dickens when I was in high school. And I wonder, you know, part of that might have just been everybody around me hates this, but it's what smart people like. Yeah. So, I'm going to like it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read all the way through Hunchback of Notre Dame, no matter how painful it is. You know, that said, I do... I have had moments of genuine appreciation of Shakespeare right like really just sort of marveling at the cleverness in it and the oh yeah cause he's he's way more populist and the, and this and the sort of like surprising modernism of of a lot of it which i mean makes sense given that i mean it's sort of like the king james bible seems really like lofty and poetic but that is because of what it did to language just by existing yeah. right so that it's it's one of those things where I feel like I should read the Bible at some point. 
because I feel like that would be interesting, you know, and it's not like, so they can point out all the contradictions to all of my grandparents who believe this crap, but it's like, no, just because I think, but then I think, well, no, because every time I try, I get to the first really super fucking boring part, and then I give right. up. I, w- I wish that there was, like, like a highlight reel. Right, and not a not a highlight reel in terms of like the lessons and the thing that it's easy to base a sermon on, but just a highlight reel of interesting passages. Right, there are college courses called the Bible as literature that try and do that to to analyze it based on you know not even so much where where did all these things come from and who really wrote all this and what's the history of it or anything but just like the King's James, King James Bible and the aesthetic appeal of it which seems to be the kind of thing you're looking for WVO Quine writes Scully when you did the comic what did you learn about the differences between writing for comics and writing for other media I think I feel like I just lucked out in writing the comic that I just read a lot of comics and somehow I was seeing page layouts in my head for how I wanted the story to like how I wanted the beats and the tempo for it to be and just picked up on that language really quickly. You had also read I I mean in the Sandman collections there are those scripts right? So like you you knew what the thing that a comic book writer produces looks like you knew that it did not look like a bitch no, it varies though. Like the Stan Lee scripts for Kirby could be as little as like on this page, Spider-Man needs to fight the Vulture for ten panels. Whereas, like because of the way that Neil Gaiman wrote his scripts, I was describing every panel. Yeah. But it is like, you know, when you want somebody to stop for a second, there's a a way to do that where in text you would just put like a semicolon or some ellipses or something. Then you want to like watch where your line breaks are and your page breaks are. Yeah. It's kind of nice because you you can put them exactly where you want them to be. Yeah, and I mean, I guess if and you, it doesn't matter what size font it is. You can non clumsily convey that somebody is punching somebody at this particular point in this sentence or whatever. Right. Right. Uh, two says WVO Quinn. Let's say you only have access to the optimal dog by joining a pretty public clan. You're worried that if you put in 75 tattered scraps for the next three days and then ascend, people will eat your dogs before you get a chance. So you want to have your mall multi put in 25 scraps just before you need a dog each time. Immediately switch accounts and then dig in. This is multi abuse according to most definitions, but is it really problematic or just reasonably benign and permissible? I I would not have a problem with that. I don't think if if that was all you were doing with it, then I think that that's okay. Um. Stumps McGee says, can we get a second row of buttons added to the combat action bar? There are 12. There's that little thing. Unless you want, like... To be displayed at the same time? displayed at the same time. That would probably require an entire refactor of the combat action bar, which is not out of the question, because that shit is old and probably clunky, and there are probably... Like, there's probably a lot of compatibility, questionable homebrew code that would be completely replaced by a single line of jQuery or something like just just because uh-huh. there's there is a lot of web development tech that did not exist when the combat action bar was made um, but yeah no I see what you mean 
Uh, and then he says, what type of employee is C.D. Moyer? Apparently he doesn't work full-time, but it seems like he gets to work as much as he wants. You seem to have a lot of trust in him, both in terms of access to your code, as well as your faith in him to do almost whatever projects he wants. How did you find a guy like him? Also, if there was a CDM cloning machine, how many would you make? Well, I mean, I found him because he played KOL, and we talked to him and knew that he was a programmer guy, and then I had him. There was something that there was a thing that was hard enough that neither Xenophobe nor I felt like we were capable of it. And so I just asked him, like, hey, do you think you can do this? Um, which was like migrating the forums from PHPBB to vBulletin when that happened. Mm -hmm. Like when we finally just exceeded the capabilities of PHPBB. Um, and, you know, he did that and it worked great. And then it was like, eh, well, this will be all right. Then Xenophobe quit. And that was right around the same time that C.D. Moyer was looking for a job. And so, yeah, he's, you know, he's a contractor and I mean, he tends to work about 40 hours a week, I think. I don't know. I have to ask, I have to ask hot stuff who does the payroll, but it's, it's pretty consistent. I mean, there is all, the thing is there is always stuff for him to do. If I don't assign specific work, there are always this list of bugs and interface improvements and stuff. And it's like, you know, I mean, it was when I first hired Xenophobe, I was really nervous about giving him access to the code. And it just, over time, it just became a thing. And it's like, look, this guy does not want to, this, like, this guy works here. He does not want to fuck stuff up. Like, what the fuck am I scared of? Right? Like, and, and it's like, I say what you say what you will about the guy, but like, he did not act deliberately against the interests of the company. No, in no, any intentional way ever. So, like, you know, like, what, what, whatever. And so, you know, with, with Chris, it was just like, yeah, sure, here's the password. Like, you know, there's backups of everything. Like, you couldn't do that much damage if you tried, and why would you try? Like, it's... I don't know. I mean, I feel like, for the most part, you just give people the benefit of the doubt, and it pays off in almost every situation, you know? And I don't know. How, did this, how does the CDM cloning machine work? Like... If I made a clone of C.D. Moyer, would it be like C.D. Moyer's current age and abilities? And if so, would it also be like a C.D. Moyer who like missed his wife and kids? Because that would be fucked up. Yeah, that would I don't want to put them in that situation, and I don't want to put a him in that situation. Yeah, and it, if it's one that just turns out the kind of problematic clones that always have a, like a copy of a copy fading on them we, we don't need that either but even if it was an exact copy well, i mean i wonder right so i wonder how many people were like if you said okay let's say that you could spend every other day with your family and on the days when you weren't with your family they would be with an identical copy of you who you just traded off days with so you basically get to work like five times as much and you're not away from your family long enough to really seriously miss them, and they don't know the difference. Like, would you sign up for that? I don't think I would do it every other day. Yeah. I think I would take... I think like I would take... I don't know, like a, a day out of every week, mm -hmm. maybe. In addition to normal, like, hours of operation. I guess you'd have to spend some time, like, coordinating or... Yeah, I don't know. That, that gets weird. You'd have to share knowledge with your clone, which I'm pretty sure is not how that works. Because I'm pretty sure I know twins, and sometimes I tell one of them something and the other one doesn't know it. 
Have you seen the Prestige? <laughs> I have. See, oh, there man. you go. That, that's what that guy. That's what that guy had going on. I right? made a joke on the way here to myself because I was in a car by myself. But there had been some sort of there had been some sort of accident with a hat truck, and so along the side of the road <laughs> in between LA and San Francisco, there were just like two or three hundred straw hats just scattered around. Them. It's like oh, it's like the Mexican Prestige. Is El Prestigo, <laughs> and this is that's pretty funny. And if you had been in the car with me, you would have gotten a good chuckle at it. But as it was, I was like, "Well, I can't really ever tell anyone that joke because it requires this context that is never going to occur again." So. Yeah, but I guess beautiful. I told you. Uh, you should have grabbed. Should have stopped and grabbed you a hat. I guess I should have. I'm. I am a. I am a big straw hat guy. I'm not a big straw hat guy. I prefer my straw hats. Look, I feel like you're you're making a straw hat to this argument. Weka says, sorry if this has been asked so many times you're tired of answering, but will you leave the VIP key in Mr. Store permanently this time? And then he says a bunch of reasons why. But no, because I I am I continue to be fascinated by the VIP key's role in the economy. Because it is a thing where its utility is sufficient that it immediately increases in price past a Mr. A, even though everyone knows it's coming back. Whereas the wardrobe is a thing that nobody messes with at all and is, is doesn't doesn't have any value in the economy at all. And I think that that is really interesting. And I think that there are people who like having that kind of reliable investment over time. And I want to support that. Like... When I see interesting things happening in the game economy, I want to not fuck them up. I want to not change them. And that's, you know, this is a thing that I find particularly interesting. Uh, the Forum Kebabka says, My favorite items of the month that I own are definitely foldables. Everything from the Iceberglet to the can of Rando, I love them all. They're all unique in their own way, but similar in the fact that they serve multiple purposes, which is what brings me to my question. Which type of item of the month do you enjoy making the most? Not necessarily the best seller, but the one that's the most fun to create. Familiars, equipment, do you prefer buying on equip over the non-BOE? VIP items, skill books, gardens, correspondence, foldables? If it's too hard to decide, what are your top three? I didn't include the new florist fire because there was only one, but that was making, but was making that more enjoyable than other items. I mean, the ones that I enjoy making the most are the content familiars because they are the most like just doing our normal jobs, which are fun, right? Like having to take time out to make an item of the month is always a stressful thing for me. And in those cases, it's at least like this is not something that is getting in the way of of broad unrestrained new content it is a thing that is creating new broad unrestrained content yeah, i would say for that reason i like the the things that are kind of a new slot like the fryer and the garden spot the first time we did that because you're not competing against anything else for the best in slot and you can just kind of like i came up with the fryer idea just so that i could write a bunch of plants versus zombies yeah jokes and and just have huge buckets to dump content in and being able to do that without having to think too hard about how it's going to balance against every other you know back item that's out there or or whatever is kind of freeing 
Uh, Hinch says, please make Puppet Strings able to be bought in Ronin or Hardcore. And CDM did that when it was posted, and that was pretty cool. Uh, Maharito says, the procedurally generated skeleton is the only enemy you can permanently lock yourself out of getting Manuel factoids for. Is there any way you could enable fighting more skeletons? So, I am sure that someone will correct me if I am wrong. But I've heard a lot of people say, this sucks because it can happen. And I've not ever heard anyone say, this sucks because it happened. And Hmm. I don't know. I mean, at a certain point, you have to know what you're doing to ever fight those skeletons in the first place, right? Because somebody who does not, like, like, nothing in the game ever points you to my profile, which is where you find those things. I mean, I guess you do a mall search and the jars exist, or do they? Yeah, I guess they do. They're tradable. So never mind. Never mind. That didn't make any sense at all. So it's possible that you would find that thing in the mall and buy it and then screw yourself and later find out, I guess. Again, possible, but I don't know that it's ever happened to anybody. Um, They're pretty cheap at this point, too. I don't know. If you have friends that that happened to, let me know. Get a, get a quote from them. <clears throat> Costanza Faust says, have you ever stolen another person's hat? Has anyone ever stolen a hat from you? It's possible that somebody has stolen a hat from me and I just thought I lost it because almost every hat. Yeah, I was going to say, I've gone through a lot of hats in my know, time. I am. Um, there was a while where I was spending every January in Boston and every time I got there, I was like, Fuck. And then I would buy another hat and another pair of gloves. And so a bunch of hats piled up. That's possible that I lost one. Uh, I once found a hat on the ground. And it was was pretty clean. So I took it back and washed it. That was a pretty good hat. Uh, Hmm. I almost stole a hat. Um, I was New Year's Eve of 2005. I was at a bar near Times Square because we went to Times Square for New Year's and there was this group of sailors like in uniform sailors uh-huh. in the bar and at one point they they all left together like not together but they were all like maybe two of them were in the bathroom and one of them went outside to smoke or whatever and one of their hats was just sitting there hmm. on like uh, you know the little you were yes, tempted I really was I really because I was pretty drunk too and I was like oh man and then I thought like well okay so would that be a really big so like if they f- if they caught me they would just beat the shit out of me <laughs> right that is like it is a virtual certainty that I will get my ass kicked if I get caught but I'm drunk so I'll risk that but then I thought like would it be a traumatic loss like w- what stopped me was I I would not want to get that guy in trouble like because they're not doing anything wrong, but you know if they if you go out drinking and you lose some government property, you probably get in trouble. Yeah, and probably. so I didn't want the guy to have to like go and explain what happened. I mean, maybe you just lie and they're like, oh, okay, wink, wink, I gotcha. And I also, you know, I don't think that stealing is okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> so there were all these other reasons but it comes down to you know stealing stuff is not really a thing mm-hmm. that we do 
Wax is 120 minutes my ass. No, no, no. 120 minutes of our asses. Hinch says, which one of you is the best kisser? Be honest. I mean, it's hard to tell because we only kiss each other. And it is always the best kiss. Yeah, it, it is pretty great. So together we're doing something right. Uh, Linguini Lad says, just something to keep in mind. If you were to make the pervert unfaxable, then you run the risk of pissing off the very people that find that zone offensive. So maybe it'd be best if you allowed it to be faxed. I, that, I think... No offense, Linguini Lad, but I think that that argument is complete nonsense. I, I think the, the the Venn diagrams of people who would be upset about us making something unfaxable and people who would be upset about a non-dick joke have no overlap at all. Right. Uh, Alibit says, do you ever plan on adding any more VIP furniture? If so, will it take the location of one of the current items? Will you expand the room size, add a second floor? Will you instead make a MIP a most important people clan room? Oh, that's a pretty good idea. Uh, I would imagine I would just make the room bigger. Yep. Dodgson says, have you guys considered reusing the inflatable dodecapede mechanic? The mini-adventurer was sort of in this spirit as it gained abilities as the character leveled, but would you ever make another familiar that loses effectiveness as it gains weight? Maybe something with two abilities, of which one was proportional to its weight and one was inversely proportional. We would float that way. We float that it. every once in a while, and then we just can never really come up with a, a satisfying way to do it. it the, the thing is, there are people who don't ascend, right? And the dodecapede was of no use to those people. It was just kind of a dick move. I could see doing something that got less effective as it gained weight, but then had some way that you could you could reset it or spend some resources to remove weight from it or something like that. But suggestions along those lines always run afoul of the like, eh, is that fun? Right? Because that, I mean, that just kind of feels like, oh, this is a familiar that just charges taxes in order to function. Yeah, I feel like with the Nodecapede, I remember that being my idea going, hey, what if it's something that as it gets heavier, it's less effective, and that'll be interesting. And then it kind of wasn't? Well, it was useful... In in its day, it was useful for fighting the sorceress. Right? Because she mm. would de-level it, and that would make it more effective. And it was also like, you know, it was right when Ascension rolled, I think. Or maybe not. Maybe it wasn't. I feel like it was though. I feel like I feel like it was a like this is a this was the first item of the month that was designed with ascension in mind. Um, sure. Yeah, you know. The erosion seeker says, "Why does Trigger Treat still use that crappy interface?" That's not that bad. There's only one thing to do, you know. But to be fair, it it could probably be made into a zone. I mean, that's sort of that's how I would do it if I were doing that now. Um. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cunning Gabe says, uh, on the 718 show, you guys were talking about cooperative games. My wife and I have played a cooperative version of Agricola that's a lot of fun. You play just like a regular two-player game, except one, your score at the end is the minimum of the two separate scores. Two, no communication is allowed. Rule two is what makes it interesting and avoids the pandemic problem of one player dictating all the moves. It's a lot of fun. You should try it. That sounds neat, although I feel like if I was playing a board game with Emily in which no communication was allowed, a lot of the reason for me to play a board game with Emily would be removed. <laughs> or are you just not allowed mm -hmm. to com You can communicate about butts and about the weather, but not the game? Hmm. Now a question. If you could mash up any two board games into a single game, which games would you pick? 
Uh, Candyland and Monopoly. Ooh, perfect. So, like, Monopoly, but instead of having dice, you just draw cards that have yeah, colors yeah. on them? Makes sense. I kind of like, uh, if you could take something like uh, Settlers of Catan that's simple and really elegantly balanced and mash it up with something that's a little more dynamic. Or, or with a less I think boring have something. theme. Yeah. You know, like farming. There's the, uh, there's the Star Trek Settlers of Catan that I've been tempted to pick up because it actually has some extra rules and cards that go with it, but not so many that it's like a huge expansion to Settlers of Catan. Mm. Maybe one of these days. I feel like if there was a... If there was a deck-building game that was as well put together as Magic the Gathering is... And and it seems like Fantasy Flight is doing a bunch of these, right? Where they're, they're sort of living card game series. Where they took, like, Netrunner and just sort of rejiggered it as a non-collectible card game. Because it was a good game, it just didn't take off because it wasn't as good as Magic or, or whatever. Because people are only going to play one of those you know um but yeah magic used up so many of the good things that you can do with a dueling card game that i feel like a lot of other games just feel innately compromised because magic makes so much sense uh-huh um but then again if you make a a game that's like that captures some of the magic of magic and makes it at all approachable for somebody who is just starting out, then maybe you have something. Yeah, although, I mean, that's it. Magic is arguably, they spend a lot of time with the base sets making them approachable to people who are who are new to it, but I feel like if you are, like in the position that you're in, where you've been hearing people talk about this sort of intricacies of magic for 15 20 years you're never going to be coming at it from that point of view right i mean and most more importantly you're never going to be 15 and coming at it as a new player which is really what they want you know i mean i don't know that i don't know that they that their demographic data supports the idea of a guy who is currently 35 discovering it and getting into it. But, you know, maybe they do. I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's longevity is, is, it makes me happy. They got some, they got some smart dudes. For sure. Smart dudes on their sides. And plus, like, we saw Richard Garfield talk and he just seems like such a fucking nice guy and it just makes me so happy that it's like, ah, good, man. There's like so many of these things where it's like, ah, oh, this game is great, but Orson Scott Card made it. Uh, Blue Scream says, it's my birthday. How are birthdays celebrated in the kingdom? Foot stabbings. Sorry. You can, you can buy yourself a cake. That's true. As long as your name's Claude. Cool12309 says, will the August item of the month be related to the clan dungeon coming out? Supposedly around the second from your Twitter. Around the second? What? Ha. Huh. Um, um, it will probably have some Dreadsylvania stuff associated with it, but it will not be, it will not be like fundamentally related to it. 
But it would be mm-hmm. stupid if we made an item of the month that like active participation in Dreadsylvania discouraged you from buying it. So it's certainly, you know, we are certainly trying to continue to not be idiots. Um, Yarul Yu says, Aloha, please push the button that grants torso when someone slacks off, and off enough. Seriously, congratulations. Six full years anniversary safety glass best, vest and pow, sucker. Yep. Yep. I still like the idea that the anniversary safety glass vest would grant torso yep. awareness. Like you can just read but, the instruction. Uh, There's just a link to read the instructions on it. That would not. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. If your account's been around for five years and 364 days, and you you use that to like avoid having to perm a skill before you go into a run, like that's. Fine. Um, <laughs> all right, scrolly, scrolly, scrolly. Glebe says KOL has some interesting brands of hot sauce. Names mentioned include Colon Annihilation, Weeping Sphincter, Ed's Hot Sauce that will totally murder your family, and Colonel Colon Imploder's Rectum Reckon Anal Death Sauce. I didn't write any of those. Where where do those <laughs> even come up? I'm from. <laughs> I would feel more guilty about those, except that they're not even really exaggerated. Yeah, yeah. it's just like you, like you, you. The people who name hot sauces tend to be just kind of yeah. Douche, well, but like, but they, they do that. But then you read them and you're like, you know, I kind of want to play. <laughs> like, I bet I could write one of those. Yep. Um, I'm pretty sure that those are riffs, are though. They? Yeah. Uh, I feel like the last one, specifically, you would probably have been a little more oblique. You would probably not yeah. not include rectum and anal in the same sentence. I do like uh, Colonel Colon, though. Because those are words that that are spelled similarly and not pronounced the same at all. Uh, Mythcaptor says, what would the exchange rate be between meat and USD? Ignoring $5 equals one Mr. A. So ignoring a fundamental untruth. Uh, I think about $9 a steak is about right. Hmm. I don't know, unless you get some flat iron steak, some carne asada. It depends on, yeah, it depends on the Cheesecake says, who in asymmetric has the sexiest eyebrows? Gosh, I don't know. Oh, yeah? No, no contest. I mean, come on, you're not blind. I guess that's true. <laughs> I guess it's true that I'm not blind. <laughs> uh, let's see. Kadrek asked a bunch of stuff, but one of my favorite RPG character types ever was the old Final Fantasy monster type, whereby it could eat the meat of defeated enemies to change its form and powers. Any chance we get a familiar like that that could change or upgrade itself and its bonuses based on enemies you defeated while it was your active fan? Yeah, like a like a some sort of a reindeer that was a robot. That would be that would yeah. be great. Um, let's see, let's see. Ruster Butter says, got a question about Grandpa Sea Monkey. I know the quest content unlocks need to be repeated every time you run through the sea, but why did you decide to leave all the other stories perma-unlocked? I know people will probably yell and complain about having to ask Grandpa every time they want the special items to drop, but seriously, the trophy fish is kicking my ass every time I adventure in the zone it's now unlocked in. Oh, fuck, that's a spoiler. Um. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I guess I could relock that, but then it seems like it'd be super annoying to somebody who wanted it. You know, it's like, like those are all one flag, and so there's not any convenient way to to deal with one aspect. It would require some additional state tracking. 
to clear just one bit of a bit field permaflag in in uh, when you ascend and i think it would be really aggravating for people to have to just type a sequence of things into grandpa as soon as they unlocked him every single time they got there i mean i could see them not triggering until you rescued him but hmm. but even that is like you're going to forget and you're going to go after something that's not actually there and it's going to be really it's going to be really annoying. Uh old one says where did advice hot dog go? Mr. Scola, do you have any leverage to get Jake and the pretentious artist back on the air? No, I mean what happened was it stopped getting done at the same time every week, so it stopped getting done. You know. I don't really get I don't really get this because this is not I mean, I don't have kids, and this is just not generally, like, the kind of way that I live my life. But it is very, very rare in the last, you know, eight, nine years. Like, everybody around me just understands that there's this thing I do on Monday, and there's this thing I do on Thursday. And then later, this thing I do on Wednesday. And if somebody else asks, if somebody asks me to do something on one of those days, I typically unless it is a thing that that is the only day that I can do it and there will never be another chance for the rest of my life I say nope I'm busy on the the days that I record and it just got to the point where like mm-hmm. Roy kept having to skip Sundays to to do whatever Roy does I don't know fa- family stuff I guess and then it's just you know finding time to do something a random interval is just an entirely different thing than like a thing that you do every week at this time and you know one of them is a way to never do something and one of them is a way to always do something and it's just you know I mean it's just like I kind of didn't work out like there might I don't know what it is about you know you when you had a kid you didn't start missing Mondays right I mean yeah but I've always considered this like it is enjoyable, and it is like one of the few chances that I get to just sit and shoot the shit with you. Which but it is, is also part of work. It. But the other, yeah, the other part of it is I always treated it like and it's my not, job. Yeah, and I guess for Roy, so for like, Roy, it's just not like that. And it's kind of different, you know. It's it's not related to the work that you are yeah. doing together. But you know, I treat like a horror show is not like generating revenue, and it's not really. A worthwhile endeavor, I guess, in, on some scales. But I've I kind of treat that like a job too. Like there is shit that I should be getting done at home, but I've got to go record horror show, and so it yeah. gets done. You know, I mean that really is the di- like that's you know as like I say about everything about you know losing weight, and eating right, and exercising and stuff. Like there isn't a skill that lets you do it. There's just a habit. You know, that's all it is for anybody. And it's like some people get into the habits of doing stuff. And those are the people who you know about because of all the shit that they do. And some some people don't. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that start a podcast and do three episodes and, you know, don't, don't do it again. I mean, it's like it was just weird because of the the shift that occurred. I mean, if you know, for a while when Cora was a baby, we still did the show pretty regularly. You know, like like a, like an infant. But, you know, it was also, like, to do Advice Hot Dog, I have to get up and walk 12 feet, right? 
And uh-huh. Roy has to put the questions together, get his family situated, drive half an hour. And, you know, it's just... I, we should have done that. We should have done the podcast years ago when we lived together, and we didn't know anything. Yeah. Uh, Felony says, "Would adding allows you to breathe underwater to the goggles of loathing be worth considering?" No, we considered it and decided not to. Um, Bill the Panther says, "Dreadful Sylvania is amazing. It's nice to have combats that are somewhat unpredictable. I feel like having to. I feel like I have to pay attention to each combat, or I might mess up and die. For so much of the game, ordinary at level combat just isn't tough unless you put a bunch of effort into increasing the difficulty. I also really enjoy the length of the dungeon. Three thousand is not terrible for a single player, and it enables pretty fast turnover for large clans. Uh, yeah. No. Oh, good." Thank you. Now my important question. Which of the hot dogs from the clan hot dog stand would you eat if you ever got a chance? I would eat one with everything. I don't even remember them. Uh, video video games hot dog? I would like to have, like, every superpower at very low volume. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, Maybe. I would eat the optimal one. So that I would know that I had done something optimal for once in my life. And that something really lucky was going to happen at the earliest opportunity. Glebe says, so phylums are beast slash undead, etc. What is the name for bugbear slash skeleton slash vampire, etc. categorization? Kingdom? Order? Whatever the rest of those categories from biology class are? Well, I think that's probably (laughs) species to some extent. Um... Those are, you know, there is a there is a field in the table that is what broad category the monster is, and a lot of things that that interact with those. And then something like a bugbear or skeleton is just a property that the monster has in its list of properties, and there are certain things that only work on that, you know. Hmm. But yeah, uh, Jehu's Dewey says. So, would you care to discuss nerfing the files? I will move that to the. Th- Thursday questions thread, and we will talk about that on the Thursday show. Um, as it stands now, I think that we need to go eat dinner before we go to some sort of crazy secret speakeasy bar with Smooth Move, which is apparently a thing that we're doing tonight. Hmm. And uh, we are at our 10 dozen minutes, if you consider. Oh, by the way, I think that I did write the. Colonel Colon's imploders rectum wreck and anal death sauce. That was for uh, Lumpy the Sinister oh. Sauce Blob. One of the factoids. Yeah, okay. It's possible. Where we also find out that Lumpy's real name is Marion. <laughs> it worked for John Wayne. Yeah, yeah, it did. Well, thank you for. Uh... I feel like we should we should start calling the show like. However many dozen minutes ninety is eight dozen minutes. Yeah. Yeah, eight eight and a half. We dozen can't change minutes. the name of the files because then all of the uh, the XML generation scripts will stop working. Oh right, right. No, yeah. we wouldn't do that. Yeah, just like the Thursday show is just the Jick show because it used to be a show that I did by myself. And now it's a it's a round table. It's a lively round table. I've been listening to a few of those. Good stuff. Cool. All right, well, thanks for thanks for recording. You do a, good work. Uh, recording a Monday Kingdom of Loathing podcast with me, Mr. Skullhead. Hey, no problem, buddy. Let's do it again right. next week. Uh, until then, I'm Mr. Skullhead, and I am leaving. And I'm Jack, and I'm already gone. <laughs>